It's a sensitive, delicate deal, dragging brand new songs out of the sky. Trading ideas, accepting some, storing others in the maybe later bag, moving on and along with hardly a plan. During the Zep years, I never imagined a full-scale album project without the other guys, and even less the idea of new writing partners. But then, since 1981, I've enjoyed many amazing, exciting musicians in the sharing, in the writing, in production and engineering. Men and women who encouraged and enlightened, introducing me to crazy curves I could never have imagined. For this podcast, I'm going to be picking out some songs from here and there along the way, mixing constant shifts in sound and intention from across this long, old time. There's a story in all of them. I'm Robert Plant, and this is Digging Deep. Hello and welcome to another episode, episode eight of Digging Deep with Robert Plant. I'm Matt Everett and this week we have an interesting collaboration for you. Not an album released under Robert's own name, but one where he co-wrote two songs for the named artiste and supplied backing vocals for one, which is what we're about to hear. This is Ohio from Paddy Griffin's American Kid album from 2013. This uh, next piece is uh, taken from a Paddy Griffin album, American Kid, which came out in 2013. Um, It was... uh, the album that she developed and worked on in North Mississippi, actually, with two brothers called the North Mississippi All-Stars, Cody and Luther, in a great studio in the middle of nowhere. Uh, It's a fantastic record, and during that time, she and I were very... uh, We hung out together a lot, and she was developing her songs. And she'd say, well, well, what do you think about this? And... um, I was able to give an opinion a couple of times and just put a little bit of a, a point here and there to a song and um which was taken on board and this particular song was was the one that was a great a great and beautiful song Patty Griffin's songwriting and her um I think the themes and the stories that she, and the tales that she weaves within the confines of what you'd call a popular song are without equal. I mean, her songs are the the themes, the content, and uh, just just remarkable. And I was very, very um, lucky to be around her talent. She was just the most the way that she would play it was just so powerful and the fact that she'd been in the band of joy and really kicked it into another place altogether with her, her rhythm her acoustic rhythm playing acoustic guitar and when she was short of something to play she'd just play the spoons <laughs> you know it was just like and yet it, it was traditional spoons <laughs> what a great name for a band <laughs> So, uh, yeah. How does that, I don't know, friend, 
collaborator and then onwards. How does the ebb and flow of that relationship work for you? Well, you'd like to think you're putting me on a spot there while you're grinning at me. Um, one, I'm just asking uh, a yeah, question. One, once upon a time, there were three bears. Um, <laughs> I was... At the end of the Raising Sand tour, I was desperate to stay in the American zone of writing. And I was fortunate enough to already have the anchor of Buddy Miller playing on the gigs with, with T-Bone and Alison Krauss. And to continue on into the Band of Joy was a marvel. His introduction into the Band of Joy of Patty's voice and style was, it was manna from heaven. And at the, as the Band of Joy period, I suppose if you think that maybe from what we used to call the release of an album, well, I don't know what it's called now, <laughs> some sort of release, but um, there's probably about a three-year run from making the, making the record, putting it out, touring, stopping. That's how it used to be in the old days, um, like last week. Um, so as the Band of Joy came to its natural conclusion, I think probably something like taking the Band of Joy to Moscow was a little bit of an interesting phenomenon to take country players and stuff up there. But it worked. And, and so she started recording her stuff down in, in Memphis with... Uh, in um, south of Memphis with Luther and Cody. And so I was still around on the scene. I'd... I was so taken by life there that I bought um I bought into the whole deal of being around that kind of musical um process so different to how it works here you know and maybe because I was a stranger to everything and everybody I liked it more it was more uh, I felt more um like a bit I felt a little bit elusive I could come in and throw a few ideas onto the floor and then back off and whereas here I'm some kind of old dog and everybody knows they've got the measure of me with with the space shifters and stuff so they sort of nod knowingly and then go oh dear um so it was a fresh place to be so I moved to Austin Texas um it's a fair drive from Nashville but the the music is powerful and probably quite a bit different down there Patty lived there, lives there, and um, great people around there. So in Nashville, you've got Jack White, you've got, you know, you've got some really powerful things going on there outside of the sort of country hit factory. And in Austin, same sort of thing, Gary Clark Jr. There's some great uh, band of horses, great stuff going on. So I just, just slid into the culture. And so I was able to contribute to music that was taking place in America. Because normally I would, do a, I would finish a project and come back here and renew my season ticket and sit there at the Molyneux going, why, why am I here again? Can't they do better for me, perhaps? You know. But so actually being um, persona non grata somewhere was really very interesting, another way of looking at it altogether. And looking at what comes musically for me so it was a very good period no lies, no lies, 
on paper it would seem like the perfect place for somebody who's been around as much as I have to end up with so many stimulating musicians and a culture that's a community that's quite new a lot of people kind of go to these particular beacon cities looking for the new way you know on a political front now especially you know around Austin you've got Beto this democratic politician who's showing great signs of rallying out there there's a lot you know you've got Willie Nelson playing in the park to 35,000 people for a political rally you know um, so the process is much is hands-on and everybody thinks that they've got something that they can a lot of people think that they've got something to contribute broader than just the basis of music itself and entertainment which I think is it's appropriate in a place that big with so many totally different ideologies state by state and city by city you know I think it's slightly different when you listen to the Today program on Radio 4 and you realize how tiny but yet incredibly complex things are here you know whimsical and nuts and how do you feel about America now because it's a place it's music as we've been talking about it's music is the very first music that you fell in love with so it's all the roots come back here and it's an enormously complex country yeah and and you know it intimately yeah well maybe I only know it like I know vignettes and postcards maybe that's what it is about the whole deal of I don't get tangled up in in any anything at all there's no village life you know for me there and um and I see every town having a different landscape of not landscape but a different whole different um equation of forces and energies depending upon how well industry is faring in a particular area, especially in the northeast, uh, you know, Pennsylvania and places. It's it's so vast, and every every state is more or less going through the same changes that, you know, that we are. Minuscule and 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 huge as well at the same time. Um, it's just vast. What's going down? Insane, really. Um, so. Happy to be alongside Patty there. It was great. Just on I High, I was looking at the lyrics and at the risk of sounding enormously pretentious, it's that, that idea of the river, that idea of something being kind of timeless and when you go back to the river, it's always in the same place, but it's a completely different river every time you go back. I don't know whether there's a parallel in what... Her process here was um, touching on the Underground Railroad. So basically getting runaway slaves across the river into Canada. The Underground Railroad was like um, when, when there was indenture and uh, black labor was, you know, it, well, it went on and on and on. How much of it's still going on, God only knows. But mostly it's now um, in a different form. But at various times, just like the Native Americans, just like, you know, Chief Joseph tried to escape through past Spokane and past Seattle to get to Canada because it was a, um, almost sanctuary. So that was the idea behind her song.
That was Digging Deep with Robert Plant, episode eight. Be sure to hit subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. And don't forget, you can also hear previous episodes on your podcast provider as well. If you're a fan of this Digging Deep podcast, you might like to know that Robert is releasing a special limited edition box set featuring eight seven-inch singles to accompany season two. It's also called Digging Deep, and it's coming out on Robert's own Esperanza label and features tracks from each of his solo albums, including hit singles and rare B-sides. This is the first time the remastered versions of these tunes have been available on vinyl, and they come in this beautiful, bespoke, hardback book format, including the restored seven-inch original artwork. That's coming out on the 13th of December, which is a Friday. But you can pre-order it right now. There's more info at robertplant.com. See you soon for the next episode. I've been Matt Everett. Thanks for listening. And this has been a Cup and Nuzzle production. Listener.